This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Is this the week that Manchester City finally score a goal at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? History tells us probably not. It's Wednesday the 24th of January. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie McCool. I'm Alex Michelle. And this is the City Report Podcast. It's here for Gundogan! It is a thrilling start for Manchester City. The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. 2023 is the City treble year. Champions of England, FA Cup winners, and now Welcome, welcome, welcome. Listeners, you can probably tell by the the faint croakiness of my voice, I think. Fingers crossed I'm not, but I think I'm coming down with a little bit of an illness. So if you hear me spluttering away, coughing up all sorts, then I I apologise. I'll endeavour to mute myself as much as possible. I'm sure most listeners, including guests, would prefer me to be on mute the entire time. But Alex, welcome back. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Amos. I'm doing really well today. Uh, You know, some, some... Interesting news floating around the city scene, so it'll be interesting to get into that and talk about it, but I'm doing well. Yeah, interesting is probably the best way to describe it. Um, we are in in the transfer window, and obviously transfers have been um, a little, I don't know, the ac- activity's been quite short, and there's not been much to speak about, but we will try and sort of pick through the bones of, of the new stories worth speaking about. Um, Ollie McCall, one of them being, of course, Mr... Omar Barada, or should we say Senor Omar Barada, because it caused quite a storm over the weekend, and, and I think possibly for some of our heart rates and our, I don't know, credibility, it was probably best that we were only doing three episodes this week, because it has been a controversial topic. Um, we'll, we'll pick up the pieces from where the lads left off on Monday's episode. Listeners, if you haven't already, please go and give it a listen. It was fantastic. Um Ollie Kirsch was on hosting duties. He was joined by Joe Butterfield and obviously resident lawyer Andrew Detmer. And they basically went through the legalities of it. You know, what does it imply for City's uh, Premier League charges, et cetera, et cetera. But 
Ollie, um, you're famed for your rational and often thought through takes, so I'm sure you took this one um, quite lightly. I, th- I think I tweeted out the night it was announced that better dead than red, um, which is a statement I think every City fan stands <laughs> by. <laughs> uh, but to, to be honest, I think we, we've all said it now. But he, if you're actually still bothered about these days later, then football might not be the sport for you maybe go take a business degree maybe go into that side of things because I just mm. I just don't think any rational fan should really care about it and the mentality at City both on the pitch and off the pitch has always been next man up you know City are well stocked on the pitch mm. they're well stocked off the pitch with you know various men in suits who can do a job um, and, and Omar Brada has been a he's a well respected operator I'm sure he's going to do decent things at Manchester United but frankly, I don't really care. It's thanks very much. You know, well done. You got a you got Imerick Laporte on the documentary when he signed. You know, that's your five minutes of fame, Omar. Um, hope that all went well for you, mate. But apart yeah, apart from standard like fan issue mm. takes, the only problem I have with it is that he went to Man United. But you know, when you're offered the seat, when you're offered the top job at a, one of the world's biggest football clubs. Mm. You, as a businessman, you're stupid not to turn it down. He's got no emotional ties to City beyond the years he's worked mm, here. You know, for yeah. him, he, for him, he might just see it as a chance to step up. You know, if he was offered, say, a CEO position, I think Sam Lee said this: if he was offered a CEO position at Google or Apple or something, there'd be no problems. You know, and we see this all the time. You mm. know, rivals in business take from each other. So it's, I think it's, if you want a positive spin on it, then you know all you got to say is that. Well, what a compliment it is that Man United have to come and beg at Man City's executives' doorsteps, probably pay <laughs> over the odds for them as well, for them to cross mm, cross over. Yeah. So, you know, I t- that's that's all I can really say. I don't really think it's going to be that important. Mm. City will move on. There'll be someone else. And in two years when Liverpool nick them, we'll all be raging again. So, you know, good luck to you, Omar, but not too much. Mm. You know, it'd be funny if it all goes wrong still for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be funny. It would absolutely be funny. And I think, you know, as as the news broke, Alex, we had the, the bombazo from David Ornstein. And I mean, shout out David Ornstein. He continues to prove himself as sort of the cut above in terms of sports journalists you know the stories he he gets his hands on and that's only through sort of years and years and years of hard work obviously you've got to be well connected and, and that comes with those years of hard work but anyway uh go off on a tangent but it comes through you know Omar Barada's going to Manchester United and, and I think most people's reactions would have been oh okay um that doesn't sound good and then you sort of start to peel the layers off bit by bit and you realize well actually you know he wasn't one of those Look, I don't know how it works. I've not got any inside knowledge, but I would assume anyway that he wasn't in that inner, inner, inner circle of the Caldoun, the Pep, even Soriano and and, and Bergestein as well. You know, without knowing how it exactly works, I would guess they were the guys and maybe Barada had a little bit of uh, sort of leverage now and again when it came to player transfers or sponsors, you know, whatever he was doing at the time, he would have a word, but he he wasn't the guy who made the decisions basically. And then he's been offered a, a wonderful position, um, uh, maybe a poison chalice. Who knows what what lies down the line at Manchester United? But I, I mean, any logical thinking person in any industry would be ridiculous. Probably, I don't know. Um, we'll see how it goes. Like Holly said, not to take that opportunity. I mean, you're only as loyal to your employer until they're not your employer anymore, right? You know, that's this should be where this story ends. And I granted, we're going on about it again. Um, we're kind of bound by the agenda, given there's been no real football to speak about. But I think final word, I guess it. it good luck to him, if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think just as you said, sort of with the Ornstein bumbo and whatnot, like you get that, and especially in a week where there's no real football going on, I think as fans and just generally speaking, of course there are people who don't follow all under this umbrella, mm-hmm. but we generally like to attribute these narratives to things. We like to, you know, let the rivalries be rivalries and whatnot. And sometimes it goes a bit too far. And I think this was an example of that almost. And I can only really echo what, what Ollie just said about everything. I think I agree with pretty much everything that, that he said, that, that I said. I, I think that, you know, there really isn't that much to be made of it. And it's been blown up into this massive purport into this massive scale of proportions and especially with everything going on regarding the 115 charges and whatnot you can understand that but at the end of the day I think that it's gone a bit too far and you know you take a step back and it's not as big of a deal as many have made it out to be yeah um and I guess that's probably a nice way to park that that particular discussion like I said once again if you haven't, go back and listen to the last episode on our podcast feed, Andrew Detmer specifically, a star of the show as always when it comes to these legal issues. But Ollie Kirsch, who was a bit more partisan and maybe would, would say, and Joe Butterfield, who was sort of coming out from similar to our, to our sort of angles and saying, you know, it is what it is. It's a business move and he's a businessman. I think it had been markedly different and, and I would have been spewing had it been a player, a manager, maybe even a first team coach. I don't know because you just maybe have a different sort of attachment to the success and six months after a treble making that move would be a bit weird but look the guys earned it and, and I guess that's like I said a good way to park it um speaking of people on the move Ollie McCool well done you've won um Calvin Phillips looks as if he well pretty much is out the door West Ham United agree in a deal with Manchester City a bit of talk about an obligation to buy I think it will probably become a lot clearer when that contract is signed, maybe even going into the summer. But basically, it's done. Calvin Phillips' time at City, short, very sweet in terms of trophies, not so much in terms of minutes. But yeah, done and dusted. You win. Pop. Um, for the for the, for the <laughs> listeners, uh, that was me <laughs> pretending to open a bottle of champagne. Um, no, th- th- look, there's, there's two takes on this. As you say, yeah. I can, I can I can claim a victory here. I'm not going to sit here saying I told you so, but you know I did I did I've been on this. Go on, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I told you so months ago. I must. We had a big debate podcast about it, and I said, "Look, City tried to get rid of him in the summer." I was I I was the mediator in that. Whatever text messages and WhatsApp messages, I'm just going to play the role of the British government here and saying, you know, the WhatsApp messages don't exist. Adam was the one going for your throat. That he was. He was, and he lost as well. Um, so, you know, victory to me. The, th- the thing is, I wish him well. I wish him well. I really hope he can get his career back on track because there's a player in there. It's just not a Manchester City player. Um, you know, mm. it, it, it'll be good for him to go to a club where a manager will hopefully give him give him some actual playing time, especially with the Euros coming up because he is still important to Gareth Southgate's ideals for the England team. But um, it's... You know, it's a hard job when you're the number two to the best defensive midfielder in the world, as Calvin Phillips has found mm. out, as I'm sure his eventual replacement will find out, um, depending on who that is. But it's it's just one it's just one of those where this is this is a move that works out for all parties. West Ham, you know, they've wanted they've wanted Calvin Phillips since he was still at Leeds. Um, David Moyes has been targeting him for a very long time, um, and Manchester City have seen him as surplus to requirements for if not six months, if not 12 months, at least six. 
So, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're just sat on the bench and not playing and all you're doing is picking up a paycheck and a few medals, I'm sure it sounds great. But at the same time, he's, he's still, there's, still a com, there's still a competitor in Calum Phillips. He still wants to play football. Mm. And now he's going to get an opportunity at a good club who I believe is still in Europe as well. Um, or, or, or yeah. and, 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 and they're in the top half, and they're in the top half of the Premier League table. They're fighting for European qualification again. Um, you know, it, it could be a good landing spot for him, even if even if it ends up that there is no option to buy. You know, this is, I've wanted him for a long time. Maybe they put a bid in on him anyway. Um, and I'm sure City will be all too happy to facilitate their best friends in the Premier League, West Ham. You know, they've done us multiple favours on the pitch, <laughs> and now I think they've done us a massive one off it as well. Especially if they do end up buying him, because um, it did look a bit nervy. You know, there's talk of Juventus, talk of Newcastle, who were having to sell off all, all their plays to all their affiliated clubs in Saudi Arabia, um, all to try and fund... <laughs> uh, none of it. They, they, they are separate. The, the, we'll have to get Andrew back for, yeah. the, for the legal benefits. Explain that. Saudi Explain Arabia that and Newcastle are, are separate entities. Separate entities. Separate entities. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this, this is... Tongue firmly in cheek, by the it's way. Just, it's a very good deal for Calvin Phillips. It's a very good deal for Manchester City, especially if it ends up in a permanent transfer. And I think, you know, not even me, the biggest Calvin Phillips and Manchester City, City hater of all can begrudge the lad for taking, for taking the move. I hope it goes well for him. I hope he gets in the England squad. Mm. And I hope he never steps foot in the Etihad uh, training ground ever again. Um, <laughs> thanks for everything, Calvin. But uh, your time's up, mate. Oh yeah, I, I mean it, it's been it's been a peculiar case, and and I guess we've been so lucky in the sense that we've had so many successful plays. You know, Sam Lee did a wonderful piece over I was nearly called it international break, but this mid season break, whatever you want to call it, where he basically ranked every single Pep Guardiola signing, and, and unsurprisingly, Calvin Phillips was in the bottom three. I think it was alongside uh, a certain Benjamin Mendy and Nolito. So you mean? We're talking single figures, the amount of transfers that have gone wrong under Guardiola at City. But this this was just peculiar because he, he obviously, I mean, for people who don't know, I don't know if it was common knowledge, but he rejected West Ham the January before he joined City. And obviously at that time, West Ham were a very different sort of club. David Moyes had just about come back into squad. I think they might have been in Europe. They might have been pushing for Europe. I can't quite remember. But he said, no, you know, I'm at Leeds. I'm in the Premier League. I don't see that as a step up. Obviously, he then went to City and has had whatever issues he's had. And, and West Ham, at the, in the meantime, have won a European trophy. They're back in Europe. They're pushing for European qualification again. So now that move looks a lot more attractive. But Alex, for me, quickly before we go to the break, I, I just feel like with Calvin Phillips, Obviously, he started below Rodri. He's never, ever been on a par, let alone above Rodri. But it just feels like their trajectories have gone in opposite directions. And maybe as a as a result of Rodri being as good as he is, Rodri in the last 18 months has just gone to a, diff, a different stratosphere, whereas Calvin Phillips has always been lagging behind. And for whatever reason, I think there's multiple factors, injuries, not necessarily getting an opportunity, playing football, um, you know, whatever it is, he just hasn't been able to make a breakthrough. And it's sad. But it's over, so I guess both both parties shake hands and move on. Exactly, yeah. And I think you know you can point to the system potentially too, where we only really ever use one holding midfielder. If mm. we used a double pivot in the natural sense, and not not a defender stepping into to be a double pivot, then maybe he would have had more opportunities. And at this point, it's only what ifs. But yeah, I think it's it's a great move for all parties involved. For him, I think it is, you know the sort of salvation that he can get at this point, I think there weren't all that many moves 
on the table that made sense for him. Particularly, of course, mm. he doesn't have that sort of like leverage to have the say in it at this point. But at the same mm. time, I think it's a really good fit for him. I think he slots into that West Ham midfield pretty damn well. I think, you know, alongside Edson Alvarez, whenever they play together, I think that's a really nice pairing. Frees up James Ward-Prowse for them. I think from West Ham side of things, you know, really makes sense on that side. And then for City, of course, we get him away from the club finally. But then on top of that, you know, he can act as a sort of, you know, wait when it comes to maybe a, a deal for Lucas Paqueta in the summer. So I think it's just yeah, yeah, go it's, it's just almost the perfect the perfect deal in the end. And yes, it's been a long time coming and it doesn't feel good when you look back on it and you look at a failed signing like this. But I think this conclusion is about as good as it could have come. Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, it, 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 I, I go back to it. It's a shame because uh, I can't remember where I saw it on Twitter, but I think someone made the point that it, it well, at least most people, Ollie, you'll probably disagree, but it looked like a, a surefire signing. You know, it looked like one that was going to work and he's going to be a player who doesn't want to play 55 games a season, but at the same time can come in and alleviate that pressure when necessary. And, and unfortunately, you know, like, like I said, for many reasons, that just hasn't happened. But I echo those sentiments. Wish him all the best. I imagine he's going to smash it because he's very suited to West Ham. And, and like you say, Alex, you know, wonderful move for him. He should probably fall on his feet there and, and do really well. Look, he might even win another European trophy. Could you imagine that? Um, anyway, that that will do for part one. We'll be back after the break, unfortunately, to speak about Tottenham Hotspur. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Um, as referenced, obviously, because of this mid-season break, we are on a reduced schedule. But as of next week, back to five episodes a week, all the way up until the March international break, when it will be down to three again. Um, anyway, football is back. Everybody will be uh, delighted to know. Um, Alex, some football clubs for you. Um, and can you tell me what they have in common? Morecambe? Mora, Bournemouth and Vitesse Arnhem. Have you any idea what those teams have in common? Nothing that comes to mind. I can't quite put my finger on it. Well, you will be perhaps shocked to hear that they are indeed clubs who have all scored at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which, of course, something Manchester City haven't managed. Um, Some stats taken from the Stat City website, wonderful database, if you haven't already, go and check it out. But City have played five matches, unsurprisingly. They've won zero. They've drawn zero and they've lost all five. They've scored zero goals. They've conceded seven 
and they have used 28 different players during that time. Four of those matches were in the English Premier League. One of them was in the UEFA Champions League. This week, Alex, City play their sixth ever match at that stadium in the FA Cup. Is this the time we score a goal? I hope so. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Is that all we've got left at this point? I think it is. I mean... I do have to say, I, I was going through the, the lineups of those five games, and there is one player in particular who has not started in any of them, and that is a certain Phil Foden. So Ooh. I think he could be the one to break the curse if I were to put, you know, <laughs> get on my crystal ball and make a little prediction. You know, maybe he's the answer. Maybe a Phil Foden start on Friday is the answer to all of our problems. But I don't know. I think another thing that has to be said here is... In each of those games, and Spurs being our sort of kryptonite over the past few seasons and whatnot, we don't need to go back to 2019, but they don't play like they used to. I think that's something mm. that is you know, very, very plain to see. And I would be very, very surprised if an Ange Postacoglu team was able to keep a clean sheet against this city side. And you know, maybe I'm just cursing us even more by saying that, but at the same time, I do think just... Looking at this match in a vacuum, it would be very, very difficult to see City coming away without a goal. And yet somehow it's still going to happen. But with that Mm. said, you know, I think my confidence is pretty high. But then again, you know, I look around at sort of the faces around me and the confidence (laughs) isn't so high. So maybe I'm getting a bit in over my head here. Is that confidence to score a goal or to actually win the game? Because I think those are two very different, very different things. To score a goal, I think we have to start there. I think, yeah, I think that's yeah. all we have to hope for here. Yeah, um, I would say I would be super shocked if City didn't score a goal against, um, like you say, Ange Postecoglou's Tottenham team because United have scored two past them, Bournemouth have scored past them this season, Brighton have scored two, bloody hell, even Everton, obviously City got three, um, Wolves got two past them, Chelsea managed, even Chelsea managed four, obviously the asterisks there being um, absolute batshit crazy tactics that saw Spurs go down to nine men, Brentford have got two, Burnley scored two, Dear me, Ollie, it has to happen, doesn't it? And and even away from that, you look at, at another stat for you. Um, Rodri is now unbeaten, as we know, um, following that Newcastle game in 50 matches. Have a guess where the last defeat, at least for City, came. Um, yeah. No no, no prizes for guessing. Yeah, I remember that. Spurs away, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> yeah. I hate Tottenham. I hate Tottenham. I hate Tottenham. I hate Tottenham Hotspur so much. I've been thinking about this match since the draw and just trying to find an excuse not to watch, not to be involved with it, to just accept (laughs) it. You know, maybe if we all just say, maybe if we all just go on strike, maybe if we just boycott it, that's when City will win it. (laughs) Call a strike. Call it. Call it. Call call a fan strike. With you know, if we can't, God, if we can't do it in the FA Cup. You know, when we're nearly back to full fitness, you know, as Alex say, could be Phil Foden's first start at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, a stadium which sums up everything Mm. wrong about modern football. Um, It's it's the antithesis (laughs) of what we like to see in a football stadium. Tottenham Hotspur are the antithesis of a football club I like to see in the Premier League. Um, (laughs) One one, one of my good friends is a Tottenham fan. He said, you know, I'd like to get before the draw. He said, I'd like to get City because they are the only club who seem constantly rattled by us. And he is 
absolutely right. <laughs> He's so right. Oh, they're just a nightmare. And you, I'm, I'm just gonna send. I'm gonna send them this video. Yeah. and um, I think that'll I, do I'm, most of the legwork. I mean, I mean, the th- the thing is, it doesn't matter who their manager is. It doesn't matter if Harry Kane starts or not. Obviously. He he, he won't anymore now he's at Bayern Munich but you know it doesn't it doesn't matter <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past him to be <laughs> honest if he if he whips out Harry Kane and Hong Ming Son um, who's obviously on international duty a wonderful wonderful uh, synopsis of um, sort of inner monologue really about your uh, your love or lack of um, towards Tottenham Hotspur but yeah I really wouldn't be surprised if Tottenham managed to reel out a David Ginnler and Jurgen Klinsmann and Harry Kane and, and, and all Robbie Keane all of the legends on Friday night but um in, in the real world, um, for a second, Alex, if, if we may, how does City approach this game? Because I've seen different schools of, school of thoughts coming at it because, look, I'll, I'll lift the, the curtain a little bit. For me this season, if there's a litany of achievements on the table, now we've won the Club World Cup and the Super Cup and, you know, those unique achievements that you can only qualify for and, and subsequently win from winning the Champions League. Now that's done and dusted. For me, anyway, it's all eyes on on four Premier League titles in a row because that has never been done before. And we speak about the records and the achievements of this Pep Guardiola team and to have another one of those, a record points tally, a record consecutive Premier League title wins would be phenomenal in my eyes at least. But to drop out of the FA Cup I I don't know. I really want to win on Friday. I really want to beat Tottenham. The FA Cup for me is magical. Um, be interested to hear your take on it. Um, I don't know if that's sort of my English bias speaking, but if City were to be knocked out, I'm waking up Saturday morning and I'm probably going to shrug the shoulders. I don't know if that's sort of blasé of me or not. Um, I don't know. I think this game should probably be taken as seriously as just as any other. I think I agree in the sense that, of course, no. Four Premier League titles in a row would be the, mm. the sort of pinnacle. And then Champions League right alongside that. And FA Cup, when you look at the season overall, is is lower down the pecking order in terms of priorities. But at the same time, I think with the players coming off of this two-week break, and then there's five days between this and the Gaming 22 fixture home to Burnley. So it's not as short of a turnaround as most sort of midweek fixtures are, like when we're playing in the Champions League and whatnot. And on top of that, it is only Burnley after. So I think with with all that, just looking at the context of the schedule, and of course this sort of kicks off a really, really congested period, but I do think we'll see pretty damn close to a first-strength squad out there when it Mm. comes to the selection from Pep. I think if there is any sort of management to be done in terms of not taking this fixture as seriously as... Others, maybe it's in the form of substitutions and players not playing full Mm. 90s. You know, maybe Pep utilizes all five subs relatively early, which, you know, is uncharacteristic of him. But I do think that, you know, just with it being Spurs, with it being away, with it being the FA Cup in the fourth round, I, I do think he's going to take this as seriously as, you know, I would hope personally. I think, you know, this is a pretty damn big game. And, I do think that, you know, I I just go back to to what Pep said at the end of last season, which is, you know, we won the trouble. We want to do it all again. We want to go for a quadruple. And, you know, in line with that thought process would be to take this game as seriously as possible. And I do think that on top of that, when we played Spurs before, it was 3-3, correct, back in December. 
So yeah. I do think that there may also be something there in terms of he hasn't actually beat Postacoglu yet. You know, he's sort of yeah. the new uh, new guy on the block still. Maybe there's a bit weighing on Pep's mind there, and and maybe even the players too. That you know we really want to to beat this team and be it at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium would be sort of the the cherry on top. And I think you kind of put away the the past history of this fixture aside, and you just look at where we're at, where we are this season. And when you do that, I think. You know, it becomes a really, really serious opportunity to to make another statement. Mm. Yeah, totally. Um, look, I, I say uh, it, for me, the reaction is result dependent because what are we eight o'clock kickoff on Friday, something like that. Whenever in the UK, at least, whenever that that whistle blows, I'm always going to want City to win. Be that a preseason friendly, be that a Club World Cup final, be that a Champions League, final, you know, whatever it is, you get the point. But in the grand scheme of things, a little bit like the League Cup this season, should City go out, I don't think it's catastrophic because I hate the, I hate the phrase "bigger fish to fry," specifically as a, vegeta- a vegetarian. But I do think that is possibly the case this season. And you know, the the two trophies City are defending their European crown—that's a big one. You know, you want to make sure your season after winning the Champions League, you put up at least at the bare minimum a strong fight. You know, just ask Chelsea in 2012. Uh, granted, they won the Europa League, but you probably wouldn't have expected them to drop into that competition. And then, obviously, like I said, four Premier League titles in a row. Um, Ollie, we'll we'll leave some of the previewing to be done on Friday's episode. Obviously, that's the day of the game. So we'll try and sort of cover all of the bases now. But how do you expect City then on Friday to go into it? Alex has, has pretty much said that full strength team. And I, I totally agree there. Um partly because there aren't the fringe players that we've had in other seasons and this obviously the 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 two week break City have had allows for them to sort of go full strength being on a Friday night again you know not great for fans but super for Guardiola because it's an extra day rest before Burnley but in terms of approaching the game FA Cup games under the lights generally have a bit of madness about them are you expecting this one to be a crazy affair I think if that uh 3-3 I think I think if that 3-3 earlier in the season is anything to go by then you know that kind of tells the story um, Andrew Postecoglou sets his teams up open. You know he'll be looking. He'll be looking to get his players on the counter attack th- through pace. City, um, for all intents and purposes, you know yeah. as much as I want to believe they're still that you know death by a thousand passes team. They don't really tend to be that anymore. It's more you know getting the ball forward, getting getting the ball forward quickly, getting it to somewhat getting it to players like Nunes, Kovacic, Foden, who can carry the ball on their own. Um, so I, th- I think it's I think it's going to be a pretty open game. There's going to be goals in this game. Um, I just hope there's at least one for Manchester City. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I can see it being one of those where one, where I can see it being almost like that uh, Champions League quarterfinal <laughs> second leg where it was, you know, City scored in two minutes and for the first 10 minutes it was what, 2 1, 3 1, something. With, I think I can see it being one of those where it just oh, goes a bit yeah. mental and everyone loses their heads for a bit. Um, mm. And the commentators will be bigging it up as, oh, this is the best game of football we've seen all season. Um, I could, I could, I could just see it being one of them, and um, hoping that Manchester City come out unscathed. <laughs> I think it's got to be a full strength side or whatever full strength looks like for Manchester City. The only player I'd be reticent about starting is Haaland, uh, just because it would be his first game back. He's only just got back into training this week, but obviously Pep, Pep and the staff will know how good he pulls up. You know, maybe maybe he's kind of unfortunate with ha- losing, you know, an extra day to recover for himself but gaining an extra for Burnley almost. Maybe he kind of misses out by that by a day or so because um, obviously they'll lose a training session for flying home from Abu Dhabi later in the week. 
So there's all those little things, but you know, I I, I want to see Kevin De Bruyne start. I want to see Phil Foden start. Um, I think the debate, you know, the Grealish Doku debate is going to be the kind of the big talking point from this game. And you know, if, if City start Doku and they go and lose it four three, then you know the narrative of oh, Doku's not the right guy to have in a game like this. You want Jack Grealish, you'll control the game a bit more. I think I'd go Grealish because he's just he's just that bit more proven. He's got that big game mentality about him. Um, and it would actually be very, very sweet to see Jack Grealish be the one to score score our goal here at Tottenham Hotspur if we get one at all. Um, yeah, it's going to be a game full of goals. The only the one thing I'm glad about is that Hyung Min Song isn't there because if he was there, then then that's just game over before kickoff even starts for some of those players. And you've just got to hope with some of the defensive frailties we've shown in recent weeks that they're all kind of cleared out. With you know, Carl Walker getting a couple of weeks away from the game is a good thing for him. Uh, Ruben Diaz and the many, many front page stories around him. Hopefully, he's got a bit of a clearer head going into this one and for the rest of the season. Um, and then, you know, if we've got Haaland on, if we've got Haaland available, even if he's just on the bench, that's enough to put the fear of God into anyone. So, uh, I hope we see the bit. I hope we see the big Norwegian back on the pitch. But if it has to be the little Norwegian Oscar Bob instead, then I'm not going to be too mad either. Mm. Yeah, here's hoping Ruben Diaz and Manchester City can couple up with a win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Friday night. And for any more Love Island references and chat, Amos Murphy underscore on Twitter <laughs> slash X. Um, Alex, we'll call it a day there. Thank you very much. I'm a little bit more excited about that game on Friday now. It's nice to get back in the rhythm of things. For sure. Pleasure to talk to you both. As always, if you haven't, please hit subscribe, hit follow, leave ratings and reviews. It will mean the world to us and hopefully it will mean City get a goal on Friday. Um, but until then, until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.